0: Radius. Welcome this morning. It is uh, a pleasure to be able to share God's word. It's been a long time uh, for myself, as many of you know. And so I pray uh, that the Lord will be merciful and that he will uh, bless the reading and teaching of his word so that we all can be encouraged and strengthened. To live our lives for Him in this tough, tough, tough world. Just going to say one more prayer uh, before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so so much for revealing Yourself to us, for allowing us to know that You're real, that You exist. Lord, we thank you so much for our future, that we understand, those of us who know you, that this world and the brokenness of this world is not all there is for us, that we have a future hope, that one day there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more heartache. And, Lord, with this broken world and all the pain and suffering that we go through, We cannot be reminded and encouraged by the reality of that truth enough. Come, Lord Jesus. In your son's holy and precious name we pray, Father. Amen. Start off by reading from 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sasthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech, in all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For this next series coming out of Galatians, we will be studying together from the book of 1 Corinthians. And we encourage you, the speakers, the teachers, as we teach through Corinthians, that you read and study through the book with us. As you or if you read and study through the book with us, we pray and encourage you to pray that the Lord will not only give you insight into his word and help you to understand his word as we teach it, but that God would also give you insight into the application for your life or for anything you're going through so that you can understand and have clarity of God's plan for your life. Starting off for the first few weeks, we will give highlights or i will give highlights of the foundational theme that paul lays out in these first 9 verses before he launches into some tough topics in the book of first corinthians but he lays a very very important foundation for the corinthians that is relevant for you and i so that we understand from Paul's strategic, intentional teaching in these first nine verses, what God's plan is for you and me as we try to navigate and live the Christian life in a broken world as broken people. This letter, 1 Corinthians, was written by the Apostle Paul as a response to problems that he had been told about and that was written to him in the church located in a city called Corinth. In 1 Corinthians verses 10 through 12, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 10 through 12, Paul notes that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by Chloe's, by members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you or divisions among you. What I'm saying is this, that one of you says I belong to Paul, one of you says I belong to Apollos, one of you says I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Paul states, Now in response to the matters you wrote about, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Hello. But since I'm keeping it real with you, as Paul tends to do, because of sexual immorality, and it's so prevalent, and it's so common, if you are going to have sexual relations, sex with a woman or a man, a person should have his own wife. And each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. So Paul says, I know you wrote because you were wondering can we have sex outside of marriage? The culture that we're living in and the times that they were living in caused confusion about whether or not the lifestyle in which they were living was allowable as a Christian. And Paul addressed many of these issues in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's actually two books of Corinthians. It's First and Second Corinthians. We're going to start off with 1 Corinthians. And there was potentially four letters between the back and forth between Paul and the Corinthian church. Now, Corinth, as some of you know, was lit as y'all say nowadays it was the largest city in the Roman Empire and they had a lot of partying going on similar to our modern day sin city Las Vegas there was a lot of sin in the city and the city prospered economically selling pleasure and entertainment it was actually known for a, a popular religious temple that offered a thousand sacred prostitutes. The folks in Corinthians, as many theologians and historians say, worship pleasure over morality. Sound familiar? Very similar and no different than our entire culture today. Morality or a sense of morality is beginning to be whatever is right in your own eyes. The standard for morality where we get our standard of how we live through God's word not only is becoming something that the world no longer lives by those standards, but more and more Christians are not only not living by those standards, but they are joining in with the rest of the world to question God's word on many issues related to values and morality. The Corinthians in Corinth had a rough background, like many of us here this morning. They came out of the city, so to speak, and they were either influenced by the culture or grew up in the culture. So whether they grew up in the culture or they were a religious Jew who were living in the city, for you, a Christian who grew up in the Christian home, you can still be impacted by the culture around you to forget who you are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, Paul breaks it down for the Corinthians and reminds them of who they were and now who they are. He says, do you not know, starting in verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. But he says to them and to us, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You are no longer who you used to be. Somebody say, it's not you. What you need to remember today, whoever it is that the Lord is speaking to, is that that's not you. Your new identity, who you are in Christ, you need to rethink some of the actions that you and I are carrying out that are not in line with who we are. Me and my wife got married years ago. Was it 26 years, honey? Did I get that right? Thank you. <laughs> I married into a blended family. If you all know me, you know my family. You know, we, we, we're we blended. In the thing that many of us or all of us when my wife and I married and the kids had in common, we we all, despite our diversity of how we look, there was trauma. We all had a rough background. The kids had a rough situation. But when me and Nell married, they had a new father. And they had a new name and a new identity. Their fathers were not there. There was no father around, and they were broken. But God, by his grace, brought me and my wife together and gave those kids a new identity, a new father. But sometimes throughout their lives as they grew up, that trauma would come up. They would often forget that they're okay, that they have a new identity, that they have support, that they have love time and time again, they had to be reminded that you are no longer who you used to be. You and I need to remember that when we were born again, when we were adopted as God's children, you got a new father. You are no longer who you used to be. And... There's a lot of truth and teaching throughout the scripture that we will go through that's important for you to know related to your new identity in your God who wants you to realize that he identifies you personally. He wants you to know he's your father, not just your creator. The Corinthians had a rough background, but God knew who the Corinthians were when he called them to serve and represent him. God knew who you were when he called you. If God is calling anybody now, and some of us know that tug of war between the call of God consistently through our lives, tugging and pulling at you and allowing you to know or revealing to you in many ways that he's calling you. If he's calling you now, you need to know that he knows you. He knows what you're doing, yet he's still calling you. No matter where you are or how bad it is, the awesomeness about our God, is that despite how far you turn from him, he's still calling you? As a matter of fact, as we'll see as we study the book of Corinthians through the Corinthian church, God knows as Christians that we're going to struggle to grow, to be like him. Yet He still calls you his own. Anybody got in any them kids that you struggle to claim? Some of you old folks? <laughs> they just out here while some of you kids, your parents, you know they they probably saying you just just don't come home for a while. <laughs> I'm sorry if that hurts somebody's feelings. But it's the truth as human beings. See when you are not representing as human beings. We struggle sometimes when those who are supposed to love us and represent us don't represent us. But God, somebody say, but God. God. See, God ain't never like that. As human beings, after we get out of our feelings, as you young folks say, as parents, we come around and we still love our children. So no matter what happens when you... Mess up. If you are my child, by birth or adoption, you still my child. And God knows that you're struggling as a Christian. But he still identifies you by his name. Let's look at a few more highlights about the Corinthian church. And bear with me today because we're doing more of a background and overview. We'll do some highlights. But a couple things about the Corinthian church that Paul touches on. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. They had grown very articulate and knowledgeable of God's word. I mean, here are people who morally... They don't live up to God's standard. They got a lot of issues in the church, but they know the word. Anybody know people like that? They know the word. And Paul said, you were enriched in him in Christ with all speech and knowledge. I mean, they was was bad. They was good. I mean, they're very articulate in God's word. Paul speaking to them and enlightening them was not because they didn't have understanding. I mean, some folks, you can't tell them nothing. They already know. In the Corinthians, they got all the knowledge, and they can talk with the best of them when it comes to Christianese. So Paul is going to lay the foundation recognizing that I know I'm about to tell you this, but I know you know. So this is just a reminder, and may the Spirit of the Lord Bring you from knowledge to conviction to action. That's going to be the process Paul is trying to get them to. Because when you at some point, when you've been in church long enough, you know what you're supposed to do. The question is obeying what you know. Not only were they knowledgeable, but verse 7, they were gifted. Spiritually. When you read in the book of Corinthians, you'll see that a lot of supernatural activity was going on in Corinth. They were prophesying. They were speaking in tongues. He says, you are not lacking in any gift. Verse 7. So it's amazing here when you study this book, you see people that are not living as they should, but yet, You'll see from Paul, and he'll say it, God's grace was definitely with him. Our God is so awesome. So they had the word. They were knowledgeable and a lot of gifted spiritual people. But they struggled to break from their old lifestyle, influenced by their upbringing when they became Christians. Somebody say, I'm struggling. If you're struggling out here this morning, 1 Corinthians is the book for you. The timing that God has led us to study this book could not be any better with what's going on in our world and in our lives and what I know what's going on in my life and many at Radius Church. Somebody say, "I'm I'm struggling. If you ain't say it out loud, some of you, I know it's in your heart. The Corinthians were struggling. They were prone to division, as we looked at in 1 Corinthians 10 through 12 earlier. They were honoring men and women over God, honoring preachers, giving hype to different preachers and teachers, rather than understanding that their commitment to the Lord is personal between you and the Lord. There was issues with sexual immorality. They didn't just have sexual immoral issues, but 1 Corinthians 5.1 Paul drops the hammer down. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of the kind of sexual immorality that's not even tolerated among the Gentiles, the non-Christians. People in the world are looking at you Christians and saying, what is going on at Corinth? He says, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, that ain't the only problem they had. They had many. But they were representing the Lord and yet, representing his name, identified with him. But yet, the people on the outside, morally, in many cases, were more moral than the Christian folks. Can I get a witness? All of us know Christian folks unfortunately some of them will hurt you most more than folks in the world but we're going to learn a very important lesson regarding that reality and despite that reality they struggled with the issue of relationships Christian singles in marriage, we've seen that in 1 Corinthians 7.1. Won't go back there. But they were struggling with being Christian singles or in Christian marriages. And overall, there was just a lack of order in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a, an entire chapter and a half com, um, committed to order. But just to highlight a few verses... Paul says in verse 33, first of all, God is not a God of disorder. He's organized. They were, they had gifts, but it was out of order. Paul says if you speaking in tongues and somebody come in from the outside and see you running around and everybody speaking in different tongues, they're going to wonder what is going on. They can't even understand what you're saying and they're going to think you all crazy. That's basically what he said. He says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. He says, verse 39, so then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, but everything is to be done decently and in order. The lesson regarding the Corinthians in reading about the Corinthians and realizing that Our God doesn't hide anything. That's one thing I love about the Bible is there's transparency if you really read it. But one of the biggest lessons about looking at the Corinthians church is that our personal calling and commitment to the Lord cannot be dependent upon the representation of other Christians. It is not God's design for us as Christians to operate that way. And when you stand before the Lord, as we will see, as Paul taught in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there will be a judgment for Christians, and it will be based on how you live your life for Christ, not how other people did you or treated you or how they lived their life. The question God will have for you is, how did you serve me? The reality is Christians are saved by grace, but they're still broken. If you truly understand how salvation works in Christianity, we are not saved by our works. It's by grace. It's forgiveness. And then it's a process of growth. And if you depend upon how Christians act to connect with God, then your own eternal destiny You are allowing your own eternal destiny to be dependent on other folks. And even in the world, we know that just don't make sense when you really think about it. You don't let other folks determine your destiny. But I know it's hard because when people hurt you, we've all been there. It's difficult. But that is the lesson in the application for you there. All right, now we're going to look at a couple of these passages in 1 Corinthians 1, 9 and highlight a few things related to a theme that I'm going to identify in three words that Paul communicates for you and I to learn in these first nine verses in the foundation and the opening to this letter to the church in Corinth that had issues and problems like me and you. In the opening to this letter in Corinthians, Paul responds to the problems and chaos in the Corinthian church by encouraging them, in you, in me, that includes three important foundational reminders. Number one, the reality of our new identity, and I touched on it a little bit, and why that matters. Number two, Paul, over and over again and throughout the scripture, the hope of our destiny, first our identity, but then our identity determines the hope of our destiny. The hurt that we have and will continue to have in this world, everybody needs hope. when you are looking to get education and get a degree. Those of you that have went through any process, whether it's getting a degree or whether you've been a part of something where it's hard work to reach a goal, when you're looking to get a degree, it is very, very taxing and difficult, physically and mentally. But because you know there's an end there's hope at the end that you will finish and that there will be an accomplishment. You always continue to look towards the end in order to help you in the process to finish or to complete the process. If you're in a sports team, most sports teams they deal with the difficulty and the grind and the push of the coaches because there's an end in mind. Maybe we'll win a championship. All of us need, need hope when we're struggling. For human beings, in this world that we live in, for most people, they look at the end as Death. And if you are broken, and there's abuse, and there's pain, and all you can look forward to is death, some people take their lives because of that. Because where's the hope in a broken world? Paul will say later on, if we have hope only in this life only, we might as well close the church doors. Why go to church and do all of this if you don't believe that there's something after this? So Paul reminds us that our hope, our future, that there is life after death is real. But I'm here to tell you if you are searching for God, if you don't know God, it's going to be important for you to understand that your identity determines your destiny, not your good works. We're going to make that clear. Your identity with Christ determines your future. Your good works, you represent him. But from God's standpoint, the hope in a broken world for you to have something after this, it is important that you have a relationship with him. We're going to hash that out a little bit more in the next couple of weeks because of how important it is. And then finally... There's our identity, there's Id- our destiny, Paul will talk about, and then he's going to talk about the, the priority of how we get direction, direction for how to live the Christian life. Now, I know, like Paul said to the Corinthians, y'all all knowledgeable in here. Y'all got, y'all got knowledge. But Paul is going to talk about applied knowledge, wisdom. See, it is essential That while we are on this earth and we're living this Christian life, that we take the direction that God gives us through his word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we take that as a priority for the decisions we make in every area of our life. Now, I know you know that. But this is to be reminded and to say, okay, Lord, let's start taking steps to actually apply it. Especially in a world that says that that God's word is foolishness. And Paul is going to say that. The preaching of the gospel, the cross, what we're talking about is foolishness to the world. Because they think they know it all, but they don't realize they're the ones that's really lost. And the question is, as I've said throughout my time here at Radius, eternity is too long to be wrong. You do not want to be on that side. So, whoever you are, whoever we are today, we got to process that. And really decide if we're going to live for God and His direction, or are we going to side with the world? Because there is no middle ground. Our identity, our destiny, and our direction. couple more things It's important to highlight. Corinthians in any book of the Bible is not a disconnected, standalone book to understand these concepts that, that Paul is about to teach you. All 66 books of the Bible are connected in its use for context, for confirmation, and more clarity for God's plan for your life. The reason why I'm saying that, and that's important, because as we go through this series, and some of you have been at Radius, but just to help you understand for whatever it's worth, that when we look at other books of the Bible, and we look at other scriptures to help us interpret the scripture we're reading, that's kind of called cross-referencing. And it's where we use scripture to interpret scripture. And it is essentially... Dangerous to not use the entire context of Scripture to confirm or to bring clarity to one book or one passage. So our style and our strategy is we always use Scripture to interpret Scripture so that we can have more understanding. So I just want you to know that's why ministers do that. And you should do that. Let's review verses 1 through 9 for the last five minutes and just some highlights. I'm not going to go into a deep exposition or look at all the details today, but just some highlights of some things to um, highlight those three areas that Paul will focus on. First of all, identity. Paul uses the name Jesus eight out of the nine verses when he lays this foundation. Somebody say Jesus. Your connection with Jesus is the most important point that Paul wants to make. Now, I know, again, for some of you that may be obvious, but the problem is when we say the name Jesus or we identify with the name Jesus, sometimes we only do that in this space. Bring up the name Jesus outside of this space and we all know what happens. You can say, God. You can be on the award show and give God all the glory, but you say Jesus, and you're going to get thrown out the place. Your identity with Jesus, while we may intellectually know that's who we are and who we associate with, but if my kids go out and somebody says, is that your father? And they say, no, that ain't my father then they're getting the benefits of me being their father, but they're ashamed of me. they not representing me. In verse 1 says, Paul says, I was called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So the first thing is for Paul, his identity with his life purpose is identified with Christ. He's an apostle of Christ. If you're a teacher, you're a teacher of Christ. Whatever your occupation, whatever your situation, you are identified with Christ. He says in verse 2, you are sanctified in Christ. Called to be saints together with all those who in every place, as you and me, who call upon the name of the Lord, both their Lord and ours. Verse 3, peace from God our Father And the Lord Jesus Christ. Each time he mentions Christ, there's a connection to an identity or a life circumstance that's relevant. Verse 4, the grace of God. God's grace was given to you because of Christ. Verse 6, your testimony. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ. It was confirmed among you. Verse 7 The gift that you were given, all those, it's all about at the end for when Jesus will be revealed. We do all we do. We are who we are. But at the end of the day, what really matters is when Jesus returns and he reveals himself, will we be identified with him? And guess what else? Verse 8, why Jesus is so important. Anybody here sinless? Anybody here without sin? Anybody here that don't mess up? Anybody here when you stand before God, you're going to be like, God, come on, take me in. You you know I earned it. Well, guess what? Because you connected with Christ, he doesn't expect you to sustain yourself to make it to heaven. Guess what? He's going to sustain you. Thank God for that. Because on that day, because of Jesus, he going to look at you and say, not guilty. That's the point of Christianity that your family and friends need to know. It ain't that Christians don't have problems, we just not guilty of it. (laughs) Now, that's difficult for them to wrap their brain around and for us to wrap our brain around. But that's the reality of the gospel and it's the only hope Because unless God forgives us, none of us meets his standards. That's why your identity with him, my kids, my kids are not my kids based on their acts, but it's based on their identity with me as their father. Does anybody want that here this morning? Does anybody here want to be not guilty? Anybody here recognize you are guilty? Because, see... The court that I went to when I used to go to jail, sorry about that, kids. <laughs> when I went into the courtroom, if I was saying I wasn't guilty, then they're getting out all the evidence. Amen. So if you are here and you've ever thought about giving your life to God, you talk to God, God is so merciful. He always hears people, but he is always going to bring you to the point where he wants you to say Lord, I'm guilty. And I'm ready to submit my life to you so that I can identify with you, be forgiven, and then grow to be more like you. Somebody say, I'm guilty. guilty. All right. We on the same page. (laughs) My brothers and sisters... God, number nine, is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. Our God is faithful who called you. Verse 3. God reminds us that it's by his grace. You and I both know, if you're here this morning, that it is God's grace that we need. And in verse 4, it's by his grace that was given you in Christ Jesus. Our identity with him, because of our rough backgrounds, many of our rough backgrounds, God understands your need for grace. The awesome thing about our identity that Paul highlights also is that God called you. It was personal. Paul says it was by the will of God, verse 1, that I'm an apostle. Paul was on his way to murder Christians. And God intercepted him, and Paul says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, it's Jesus that you persecute. It's not just general God of the universe, but it's God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. Our identity is so awesome because God is gracious. He personally called you and me despite our background and our issues. And then in the future later, we're going to talk about how Paul said we are sanctified and we are saints. Amen. Now, I know I told y'all to say I'm guilty. But the awesomeness of God also allows us to say we saints. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say you a saint. Because of his grace, guilty people can be saints. There's more to unpack in these verses. So much insight, so much encouragement on a book written to a broken, messed up church. The foundation that he gave them and gave you and me to all who call upon the name of the Lord is that your God wants you to know that he loves you, he called you, and you are identified with him despite how you're messing up. He also wants you to know that there's a future hope. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at more verses that talk about that for encouragement. And then finally, he wants you to know that even though he called you and loves you just as you are, he loves you too much to keep you that way. The design and the design for Christians who are identified with Christ is that we grow to be more like him. Brothers and sisters, my prayer for you and for me as we go through this series as we learn from the Lord of how to apply it to us. I pray that the spirit opens your mind and your heart to teach you what God is saying and in his word so that is, you're not just hearing it from the preacher, but you're getting insight for yourself. So please read and study it. Study the whole book of Corinthians if you can read through it, but at least study the first chapter and meditate on the first nine verses for your foundation. I pray that the Lord gives you insight and wisdom. And if you do not know him this morning, today is the day of salvation. If the musicians can come up. Today is the day of salvation. Despite where you are, despite your situation, despite your background, despite You're hurt despite how people hurt you. Our God is calling you. So I pray that you would submit your life to the Lord this morning so that you don't wait another day and not know if you will be with the Lord for eternity. If you're a Christian here today and you've been broken, you have turned away from the Lord, your life doesn't look like who you know you truly are in Christ. We have outlined in the book of Corinthians that our God loves you no matter what, that your identity with him is not determined by the mistakes you made, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. Today is the day to turn it back around, to live out the calling in which God has called you. Do not let this world turn you away from the God that you know has given you eternal life. Submit your life to him. In Jesus' holy and precious name, I pray.